Before we get started, a word from 3BR, a sponsor of the Review Podcast Network. 3BR Distillery is a producer of unusual craft spirits, featuring a kitschy Slavic punk tasting room at 7 Main Street in Keyport, New Jersey. 3BR's unique Gorovka spirit is made from peas and is an homage to a family recipe, secretly distilled in the USSR. Experience craft cocktails made with Slavic-inspired ingredients in-house. Learn more about 3BR at 3BR Distilling on Instagram or visit the tasting room at 7 Main Street in Keyport, New Jersey. I want to see Valentin Sokovsky. Impossible. Vodka martini. Shaken, not stirred. Tell him James Bond is here. Now. And as that opening clip has told you, we are recording part two of our James Bond series, and we ourselves are enjoying some shaken, not stirred martinis. Welcome back to Cannon Fodder. My name is Ed. I'm Matt. And I'm Pat Miles. We have a special guest Correct. today. Friend of the show, Mr. Pat Miles. Cheers, boys. We're, drink- we're drinking gin martinis, though. I know the clip said vodka, but like, vodka martinis are trash. We're doing gin. So these martinis are not canon, right off the bat. <laughs> <laughs> the martinis are not canon. I love it. Just shitting on Cannon Fodder right now. That's right. <laughs> that is right. All right, so, cool. Yes, so let's get two. into it. Uh, we're going to be talking about the Timothy Dalton and Pierce Brosnan Bond movie. So we're talking about all of the Bond content from 1987 until 2004, basically. Because we're going to talk about all the movies, the right. video games. You know, It was also during this period of time when you started getting... Uh, like James Bond became known for the video games. So there's yeah. going to be a lot, of, a lot of fodder to talk about there. I was going to say, this, this is where you, these movies are where you start to get into more of the fodder, which I'm like really excited about. Yeah. <laughs> Great. And you know, we're going to talk about, you know, like we said, all the Bond properties released between 87 and 2004. And uh, we're also going to talk about you know, how there's always these theories about you know, like, which Bond is connected to other Bonds. Like, yep. is Dalton the same as Connery? Is he the same as Moore? Is he the same as Brosnan? So we're going to talk about these, talk about all the different uh, movies with an eye towards seeing how do they contradict each other or connect each other going all the way back to the other Bond movies from all the way back in the 60s. Awesome. Let's fucking do it. I am very excited. All right. So let's start off with The Living Daylights, 1987, directed by John Glenn. And uh, Pat, I'm going to have you help start us off here. So you hadn't seen 
the Dalton movies. What what was your first like thoughts on Dalton? Well, I think I did it wrong. I started with License to Kill, and I went through, and we'll obviously talk about it more. And like, I was just like kind of wishy washy about it. But then when I went to The Living Daylights, like right from the beginning to the end, I was like, what a superior movie! And I like read a few articles there, just like you know, it's a traditional Bond film. And man, like, I wasn't sold on Timothy Dalton as James Bond in License to Kill. But then when I watched The Living Daylights, I'm like, this is the guy. Like yeah. he is. Very impressive physicality, like had a good measure. Yeah, and then like the campiness was a little dumbed down a little bit. Yeah. The campiness actually ramped up in License to Kill, and I watched it. I was like, "This is an amazing. It's one of the most solid movies you'll ever watch." And I'm like, it, it, "I mean, we'll get into it more, but I was very impressed by the movie, and like, I'm not really a fan of like the older movies or whatnot. It's just in general. But when like these movies stand out, I'm like." God damn, was this so entertaining between the, the cello art, you know, the cello artists and just going everywhere and like the, um, all the set pieces. I'm like, yeah. I can't believe they really threw this kind of budgets there yeah. and they really made it happen and it was believable and I thoroughly loved it. Yeah, Living Daylights is one of those movies that almost makes me yearn for the the practical the practical um sorry practical effects again like because yeah. they're so well done in that movie and then when you watch so many movies today where so much stuff is done CGI like you see that movie and you're like oh like this is what we're like this is what we could be having now yeah. right you know it's just but yeah I agree about it. I like Dalton I think is probably um one of the most underrated bonds because he only he only had those two movies right yeah. you know so um and it was and was it was on the heels right of Roger Moore and like the last so campy right and like he's the, my least favorite well song. of course because he's the, I mean the last movie he did was View to a Kill which he's View like to a, a sitcom yeah View to a Kill is basically like a comedy right so like there was already a little bit of I feel like souring of the James Bond property yeah. you know so it's like having Dalton come back and like be just the com- a completely different than what Roger yeah. Moore was it was very refreshing very you, believable yeah. very and believable it, yeah and if you look at those two movies too he even though he only had two one was a very traditional Bond movie, like The Living Daylights. You know, you have the um, you have the Smirsh connection. You have you know trying to smuggle somebody out of the Eastern Eastern Bloc. You have the Russia. It's very Cold War heavy. You know, like everything about yeah. it, very traditional Cold War Bond movie. And the Soviet you, Union actually yeah. still existed at that time. Exactly. And then you get License to Kill, set in '89. So you know, Perestroika and like things are starting to like like you, you kind Miami of Miami Vice vibes a little right, bit. Right. Exactly. Yeah. One hundred percent. It's much more of like what modern like what what does the government do now? What are they worried about more? They're worried about terrorism, right. and drug smuggling. And this is one hundred percent drug smuggling. You know, like it's ve- it's very modern in that sense where it kind of brings Bond outside. Of you know of the Cold War mentality, even though in '89 technically the Cold War is still going on, it's very different. And I just wanted to mention, um, if you follow us on Instagram, you'll see that I posted some photos of a book by Diego Marquez called "The Best Bond," and I read it. It's, you know, it's real short; it's like a novella, it's like a hundred or so pages, and it's basically like a treatise, <laughs> like a homeschool <laughs> treatise about how he believes Timothy Dalton is the best Bond. So it's called "The Best Bond: Why Nobody Does It Better Than Timothy Dalton." And just to sum up the book very succinctly, he goes through every every version of Bond and like he he really compares it to the novels, like what the Ian Fleming version of Bond was. And like I've read um, I'm going through them now personally, and, and I've read almost all the Fleming novels at this point. And the Fleming novels were much smaller 
You know, like we think of, yeah. you know, it's, it's almost like how the Marvel movies have gotten bigger over time to these like world and now galaxy ending villains. You know, this was very much similar, like License to Kill and, and Living Dead. So much more smaller personal stories. And that's kind of what Bono's a more psychological. It wasn't always the bomb, the bomb that's going to blow up or later on. Some of the worst Brosnan pieces are like when you have this magical satellite that's going to like take over the world. Oh, you know, God. it's like, <laughs> like, like these are much smaller. Like License to Kill is straight up a revenge movie. Yeah. And, you know, Living Dance is also very small, too. Like it, you deal with, you know, like these big time, you know, like geopolitical things. But really, it, it's, it's just it's a very simple spy story. If we're going in order, like, um, you know, the Living Daylights, uh, after like prepping for this podcast, like, I'm always a guy with films like about pacing and yeah. I think living daylights is a movie that could have easily been overbloated and totally misdirected or edited. Yeah. It is perfect pacing it, but it like flirts with the line that it's like, all right, you're doing a little too much. You're going too much into the campiness. Or you're going too much into like a hard nose action move. It really plays the line really well and that's why I like you know whatever the reviews are, and which actually it does have fantastic reviews. Yeah, it's one of the higher rated movies. I think you got to give it more credit. And then um, you know, I guess further down the line for this episode, you know, we're talking about what's the connection between James uh, Timothy Dolan and Pierce Brosnan and um, Daniel Craig. Timothy Dolan was really more of a Daniel Craig kind of guy yes. than Pierce, you know. But there are subtleties, of course, because, you know, there is a thing. And then the whole, you know, Bond actors over the years. But it's very interesting. And, like, I'm very grateful that, you know, we're doing this. And then I finally saw these movies. And I'm like, Timothy Dolan's the man. The only thing that hurt him in License to Kill was that goddamn hairline. He had great <laughs> all right. His hair, it was the, he had the most beautiful hair in 87. And then all of a sudden in 89, it was like, they're like, we're going to slick it back. I'm like, yeah. oh my God, <laughs> no one's going to bang this guy. You know, like, because <laughs> well, I think that's another thing that kind of like worked against them too, right? Is like, and then this is super shallow, but like, whatever, it's, it is what it is. He's probably the oldest Bond. Well, I was going to say the least attractive Bond, right? Like, you know, Connery was known for his good looks, right? Daniel yeah. Craig was known for his looks. Right? Even Roger Moore was, he was a different kind of, like, handsome, but, like, most people generally thought he was handsome. And Timothy yeah. Dalton is kind of like, you mentioned, like, the physicality of his face is a little bit a little bit longer, you know, like, like a bigger nose, like, a little bit just, like, kind of, like, like more like gruffier, but not like traditionally handsome. And like you know, Brosnan's obviously like a like a fucking GQ cover model, right? But like well, Brosnan looks didn't perfect. look like that. Yeah, Brosnan is the perfect. I don't think so. Look. Like he always has his shirt off yeah. in his like his movies, and he's like really skinny. But like Timothy Dawn looks like a guy. Like if I take a punch from that guy, he's right. gonna fuck yeah. me like, up. Dalton, Pierce Brosnan yeah. would be like, I don't know, man. I right? see he's really skinny. He's really skinny and not like really built. I'm like, you know that like you know. It, you do need to be athletic and versatile. Yeah. He doesn't sell me as like an athletic guy. Timothy Dawn does sell me on. You get a punch from him, you're one and done. And yeah. he's also big, but they never really sell sold his like physicality. Exactly. But I guess is that like a thing of the times? Like a beat. But we also had Arnold Schwarzenegger in the eighties. Yeah. We, you know, we had you know, Sylvester Stallone. We had fucking uh, Bruce Willis, yeah. and they're all taking their shirts off. And then is was that like? Mm -hmm. Was James Bond always the guy that's like, I'm very, very, 
you know, gentlemanly like, and like I'm not gonna take off my shirt. Well, that's or one of the reasons like why that. I had some issues with the bo- with the Brosnan Bond movies, right? Like you talk about the physicality; those are the movies where they really started to go, in my opinion, like over the top with the action. Yeah, and yeah, like I found it a little hard to believe, both in like Goldeneye and Tomorrow Never Dies. There's scenes where he's like hanging from things, like in Tomorrow Never Dies. There's the hot air balloon, right? He's like hanging from it, right? He right. takes that long fall, and he's hanging from like whatever the you know the satellite fucking thing is at the end of Goldeneye. Like mm-hmm. it's just very not believable for a guy of that physique because he's like he looks like a runner he looks like a marathon yes. runner we're yeah. not to say that marathon runners are weak in any way but it's a different kind of physical strength and it just yeah. he doesn't sell it as broad like Brosnan just doesn't sell it there <laughs> is a stark like jump too which I imagined was a product of Japanese action films like John yeah. Woo's coming through yeah Jackie Chan coming through when you jump from license to kill which I mean I do like we can talk about the action uh, set pieces there which I have thoughts on but when you start with the golden eye opening sequence i'm like this is straight out of japan straight. like this yeah. is yeah. japanese influence action films and like that's what but we're talking about the bond films because the evolution of the characters the set pieces everything is just a it, it's a, um, a statement of what's going on in cinema at the time yeah. and i love it and like i mean i hope at the end we can talk about it because like i think it's awesome that you know, when we talk about recasting people, they're like, it's a big deal. But with Bond, it's like, oh, it's great. Like, yeah. this is like a this well, is a money grab. It's great. Yeah. Well, you want to talk about the action? Awesome. You want to talk about the action scenes now? Because the one that like yeah. immediately comes to mind when we talk about kind of being ridiculous is like, I'm forgetting if it's in Goldeneye or Tomorrow Never Dies with the scene where he's running and it's um, there. It's like the graded metal flooring, right? Yeah. So he can he perfectly shoots up in between the graded <laughs> metal floors, hits all of his targets, but there's like. 30 henchmen above him doing the exact same thing in reverse and they can't hit a single shot. I can and he's tell just you like, tomorrow never dies. It's tomorrow never <laughs> dies, right? He's just like jogging underneath the metal grates, hitting every shot perfectly and there are like 30 dudes and not a single bullet hits. It's just like, just ping, 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 ping. I'm like, oh, come on, I dude. know, it's so painful to yeah. watch him like blind shoot. Yeah. I know. <laughs> well, that's one thing that Bond never loses is there's always plenty of henchmen. No yes. matter like when they set these movies. Yes. And then, yeah, getting into it's an interesting point that you brought up, Pat. How like um, you know, like there is a big change when it comes to the action sequence in Goldeneye, and I think part of that is that you know, License to Kill came out in '89, and they didn't make Goldeneye until '95. That's the longest period of time oh, up that. until that point between Bond movies. Like basically, yeah. like Eon films and everything. Like those Bond movies were part of a machine, mm-hmm. so they would be like basically starting on the next one when they finished, you know, this one. And so basically there was a Bond movie every two years from the 60s all the way up until 89. And part of the reason why there was like a little bit of a in-between time was because there was like a lawsuit between Eon Films and MGM uh, about like sharing the movie rights and all this stuff. Because, you know, the producers, the Broccoli family who bought the initial rights to James Bond, they have a deal with MGM, but they but the Broccoli family and Eon Productions, they own the Bond rights. Okay. So like I you know we were hanging out a little bit before we started recording. You were talking about how b- big a part of like MGM Bond is. Bond is MGM at this point. It's, it's, yeah. it, it's literally Bond and um, Rocky. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> much right. Yeah. So and part and so that's why there was all these lawsuits and fights over the rights and stuff. You know because they they were trying to like get more money out of Eon. But so there is like this six years. So it's the longest period of time in between movies. But also a lot changed in the world. And just with film. And I think they do a good job of setting that up. Like, like even apart from the action sequences, like that opening. So the opening sequence is awesome, you know, with them, you know, breaking into the uh, Soviet facility. But then, you know, I think it's a great choice to have the 
the movie begin, their first post-Cold War movie, begin during the Cold War. Yeah. Right, so you have a scene in the late 80s. You have a scene that takes place during the time when Dalton is bombed. So now we get into it, like... Is he just playing? Is he just recast but playing that same version? Right. You just got. You yeah. just got to believe it. You yeah. just got. You got to let it go. Yeah. You got to yeah. let it and go. And then, and then, um, you know, the sequence that brings you into 1995 is the Tina Turner song, and they're like literally breaking down the the Soviet statues and symbols and stuff. Yeah. Like it's very, you know, it's a little bit over the top, you know, in terms of like how metaphysical it is, but it's also like really good. But aren't the supporting cast different though? Right in Golden Eye, like. Yes. Well, yes and no. So that's the thing. So there's some similarities, not all. Right. Different. So let's let's talk about that right now. So right off the off the bat, Living Daylights has the same M. Right. The same Q. Right. Love that. But a new Money Penny. Right. Yes. So you know you can you can you can almost infer that Timothy Dalton is playing the same Bond because right. as maybe Roger Moore and Lazenby and Connery. Right. What's even more interesting is License to Kill. They mention that that he, uh, there's a quote where Felix Leiter says he was married once, but it was a long time ago. Right. Direct reference to Honor Majesty's Secret Service. Yep. Also, Felix Leiter, who we see in all the Bond movies, but he's recast more than anybody else in the whole series. Right. And I love they, that. They I have love one, that. They have one Felix Leiter in The Living Daylights, first time and only time that 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 somebody uh, that John Terry plays Felix Leiter. But then, oddly enough, when he has a much larger role in 89's License to Kill... They recast him, but it's David uh, Heideson who played Felix Leiter in Moore's last outing as James Bond, Live and Let Die. Mm, you're right. Which is interesting. So now you're bringing back Moore's Felix Leiter is, is, up, is, is you know, working with uh, Dalton's Bond. Now well, it gets even stranger now when you get into Pierce Brosnan. So you have a new M, but... John she's not so much recast as she's replaced. Like they talk about how right. they, she's a new woman who's taken over. Right. And M is a code name. It's a distinction. So and like they talk about her being the new head. And, you know, there's that line where he says, you know, your predecessor kept a, kept a bottle of whiskey, you know, in the top drawer, all this <laughs> stuff. So so she could so they could still be in the same world because her M it just took over for the M from the Dalton movies. Q is the same. Yep. It's just a new money penny. See, I think that it's when I get when we get to stuff like this. For me, I always subscribe to the 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 theory right, where 007 and James Bond is actually a code name, right? And there's different people that have taken that name, just kind of the same way. And if you if you apply that to like everything, it kind of works. Even when you think about Felix Leiter, right? Like the CIA, that's definitely some shit the CIA would do. Like your code name. But he's and, getting married in that movie as Felix Leiter. Yeah, but I mean, like, it's the CIA. Like, it's come on, you know? <laughs> Can we talk about, too, of all of the six films that we watched for this episode? Um, while I'm not very fond of License to Kill, by God, is the opening of License to Kill oh, so, good. so yeah. fucking yeah. amazing. And so I wanted to bring this up so bad. So that was the first film I started with just because I, I just – you know, I put it to Amazon like James Bond, and actually, License Kill was the first one that showed up. So I started, and then nice when they're order. when they're chasing after <laughs> when they're chasing after what's his Franz or whatever, like he's the main villain. The he uh, James Bond is in the helicopter, hovering above the plane that he's trying to escape on. He jumps out with the tow cable, tur- like ties the tow cable yeah. around the plane, and then 
the plane goes horizontal from horizontal to vertical. Yeah. I'm like, well, that was, you know, that was uh, badass. That was badass. Yeah. But that's also the scene from Dark Knight Rises. I was just and then say. everyone was like blowing their load. They're like, Christopher Nolan went to fucking Ireland and he you know, did this practical like effects. And I'm like, this is also, this is 88 or 87 when they filmed this. Yeah. And I'm yeah. like, dude, like this, it's, der- it's not even derivative. It is an exact, like the, 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 um, the wings off the plane fly off. I'm like, it's not even original. Like it, it opened my mind to like what action movies are now where there's like, Oh my God, this is so awesome. I'm like, no, like this literally happened to James F- Bond films and now I'm like there's just such a quantity of films I'm like I want to just go back and be like how much do we, have we stolen from this franchise place because by god yeah. I, I love the sequence and then when they <laughs> when they parachute into the wedding I was yeah. like yes I, I was like <laughs> I was shouting in my apartment I was like yes this is so cool they actually did the thing that like I me mean, as a kid be like wouldn't it be cool if they just ended up doing that I'm like they're like how ridiculous can we get but like going back to the point I'm like yeah, I'm not very fond of Christopher Nolan like a lot of people and now I'm like seeing scenes like this and it only adds to my ill feelings about his direction or whatever. Well, and, he took and, a great sequence. He made it like his was bigger. It was bigger. And, yes. And like much more involved. Like yes, you're right. He he like started with something else probably. I'm sure he saw this movie. Yeah. But like you know, especially since he's uh he, so he's an American but he grew up in Britain. Well, he so like I'm so there's no question that a guy who was into film and he doesn't know how to do song. he doesn't know how to do sound editing so <laughs> yeah he doesn't not at all but that opening sequence is awesome and I'm so glad you mentioned great. it because it also I think for me is the perfect level of kind of campiness Bond needs yeah so like it's great balance like, yeah like there's a lot there's a lot of action it's believable. And, like, I love how they basically take down Pablo Escobar on the way to the wedding. You know? Like, it's it's such a weird, like, sidetrack. Like, they just kind of, like, on their way to the wedding, they stop off, take down Pablo Escobar. Yeah, it's a little side quest. And then then they, like, parachute in. But it's, like, the perfect – it's perfect because, like, it's kind of silly. It's a little bit campy, but, like, it's believable. And it's a shame that, like, he only got two movies because he kind of really nailed it. And I think Goldeneye nailed that, like, campiness level two. Mm-hmm. Because like he has a lot of weird quips, you know, like like that really stands out. Like Brosnan, oftentimes oh, yes. kills somebody and does something silly, and yes. that works for me in Goldeneye, and mostly works in Tomorrow Never Dies. It's like once you get into the world is not enough and die another day, that like there's also campy action sequences too, yeah. and that's what's weird for me is that like the action in Goldeneye is pretty serious and normal. You know, it's not like he's like Mister Magooing it. But right. there's a little bit of Mr. Magoo and like, well, like opening sequence of the world is not enough. He drives a boat through London streets. It, like that. Yeah. That is where they kind of lose no, me. Where t- like tomorrow never dies. Uh, uh, no, that no. That's, I'm sorry. The world's not enough. The world's you're, not enough. Sorry, yeah, yeah. And on your point about <laughs> the world's not enough, it's yeah. I noticed it because I definitely I just finished it this morning. Mm-hmm. You know, like the whole campiness of he's driving a fucking boat through yeah. the, the streets. But then he is the most violent I've ever seen. Like he normally is like cool like calm cool collected and knows how to work the room every moment in the world is not enough he's just like putting a gun to someone's head be like like being aggressive like he's not in control i was like this is 
so disassociated from what Bond actually is. Yes. Like he's a guy yeah. who goes, I know what your next move is. I have my calm head. He's like, I'm gonna fucking blast your head off right now. I'm like, I'm like, what is going on? Yeah, it was everybody so discernible. <laughs> yeah. And like it, obviously he's acting like what we would do in that yeah, situation. Right. But like I was just like, this is silly, you know? This is so silly. And I I mean, getting to the end, I would say like World's Not Enough is definitely the worst film I've seen. But, oh really? Not Die Out of Die Another Day. Like I said, I've only man, I, 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 I got through the first half of it before yeah. I came here. I know the fencing scene, but man, it does it pace well. And the only thing that's campy and I don't like is that how he stopped his heart. And there's no yeah. explanation. I just yeah. wish there was like a twenty second like I learned it from a Buddhist monk that like I could do this or whatever. You know? <laughs> like, oh, why didn't you do that in the fourteen months you were being tortured in North Korea? Right, yeah. One, <laughs> yeah. one line of dialogue solves yeah. all that problem. One line of dialogue. Well, you know, that's that's the other thing that that Bond always knows how to do and they, they show it very much in the Pierce Brosnan movies is that like Bond knows how to do everything. Yeah. So he knows how to drive a Russian tank through St. Petersburg back. What a great, what you a great, it's what, an awesome I sequence. Think, I think it's a top 10 it. action oh, sequence of yeah. all time. It also kind of Put shows, it with bullet. Yeah. Put it, yeah. Put it yep. with the, the scene in yeah. heat when you're going down LA. Yeah. Like I was like, they really did. And that's Martin Campbell, right? That was directed. Who later it. did Casino Royale. What a brilliant director. Yeah. What a brilliant, like he just knows action. Like, yeah. And it also is, it's an action piece, just not for action's sake. Like there is this like narrative element to it where, you know, just like earlier in the movie where you have the, you know, the traditional Bond women from the theme song, like breaking down the communist symbols to kind of show the breaking down of the Berlin Wall and, and all that. That sequence showing, showing the fact that they can shoot a Bond movie in Russia having this whole St. Petersburg sequence and having yeah. you just drive a tank through just kind of really shows like we're in a different world now. Like, yes, there's a lot of Russian Sovietness to the movie. Right. But not, you know, to the same extent like that you had in the pre-Cold War. Wait, I mean, wait, Bond we, movies are good for the global economy. Yeah. It's you, literally good. You just said, you mentioned Bond Girl. I just remember we were talking about world is not enough again. Like, fucking Denise Richards. The worst. As like oh. the... Dr. Like, Christmas Jones, which... <laughs> Which brings us to my next clip, which I have to say. Thank God you brought it up because I, I didn't like want to be the guy that did so it. Bad. I mean, so bad. She's only named for this joke, right? Yeah. <laughs> I know he is. What's wrong about you? Yeah? How so? I thought Christmas only comes once a year. Like, that is. Like, <laughs> I. I, I don't know this for sure, but I have to believe that they thought of that joke like and on the then spot. her name. Yes. No, I mean, like, like oh, the- why on earth do you call her Christmas for any other reason? Well, it's like, and, like he-, he tiptoe around at the whole movie about, oh, Christmas jokes. Don't say any Christmas jokes. And then he goes right after in the that's his final line of the movie. That's the I like it. I like it. But like you could see so how much they- she's not so at the end of the world's not enough when yeah. you know the submarine seek, sinking yeah. and or like when he first like he kills off that shit uh was electric king yeah. and he goes and I was like where the fuck is this and like they kill off valentine which by the way they should have given him a little like nod and wink at the end being like this guy was dope he yeah. was such a great ancillary character he was such yeah. a great character I, uh, yeah. and i like how he like you know blew off like his shackle yeah but like i actually forgot like, i was like so he was she was with valentine and then all of a sudden she's in the submarine i was like they had nothing to 
like show or say about right. it, which then in turn now that we're talking about it, it shows that like they totally edited her out so fucking hard they were like yeah. we are going like brass balls like we're yeah. like we were like we're like we got to keep her at a minimum here and that's it or like when she was like he's like how do i defuse a nuclear bomb she goes you bring me yeah <laughs> <laughs> she well is, i just love the absurdity yeah. too like and again so so many stereotypes and so many things that people like would complain about nowadays but like her her outfit, right? Like she's doing the nuclear research in the fucking mines, wearing a crop top and like you know the Laura Croft like shorts or whatever. Then she has the nerve to say to Pierce Brosnan, "Oh, you don't look like a physicist, like bitch. You look like a stripper." Like I just, yeah. The surprising just, thing right? was that she had a bra on. I yeah. was like, yeah, like if, you, if you're going to be this like you know misogynistic. No, Fuck dude. it, you she know. Was, she was one rain shower away from a wet t-shirt contest, man. Like those, like there was, there was just like the different camera angle. There would just be under boob everywhere. Like she was just totally hypersexualized, which is it's Denise. She's Richards. the worst. Like, she's the worst yeah, Bond girl. Right, she's definitely oh, the worst. Because she's not even a good actress. Is like the problem. Like. Like, you know, when they had Terry Hatcher, right, and in, in Tomorrow That Never was Dies, bad. She was not good. Like she was not good either. But like. She wasn't as bad as Denise, like, because she was like her role was not meant to be serious. Like, she was just the Bond girl that yeah. sleeps with them and then gets fucking killed. Cute. Denise Richards was meant to defuse nuclear bombs, and it right. just did not work. <laughs> and it's weird too, considering the previous two movies, because you know, there's a there's a note, um, like there's a little bit of a joke that the new um, Samantha Bond, who plays a new Money Penny, like makes a joke about um, uh, like sexual harassment. You know, yes. uh, in, 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 in GoldenEye. And also, it just kind of sets up... Well, that's the you, biggest piece of yeah. continuity in those yeah. four Brosnan movies yeah. is his seemingly romantic implications of a relationship with Moneypenny. Like, yeah. Moneypenny seems like a girl that he actually wants to be right. with. Correct. And she seems to have, especially in, like, World is Not Enough a little bit. Yeah. Like, like she seems to be a little bit jealous when he hooks yep. up with that doctor and yep. all this. But what I was trying to get at is that, like, GoldenEye and Tomorrow Never Dies... Those two, they both have like a traditional t- type of Bond girl, but they're much more like stronger female characters. Right. Like, uh, like you know, like Goldeneye, you know, it's a little bit of a damsel in distress bit, but she is this computer hacker who is an important part of like helping him right. solve the whole thing. And then, of course, once you get to Tomorrow Never Dies, you have uh, Michelle Yao, who is fantastic. Yeah. You know, great, like she great. is, yeah. you know, like obviously she just won an. Uh, um, an Oscar, exactly. and you know she she's at like the high point of her career between you know Star Trek and Shang Chi and right. and everything everywhere always at once like everything else she's doing but like she is this badass spy who's like his equal and like she's not over sexualized like yes she's beautiful but she's not right. wearing like you know the most skin tight or revealing stuff no. the whole time so it's funny how the first two ones you know you have these like more you know like like less sexist Bond girls yeah. and then you get to well, the world is not enough and it's maybe the most <laughs> like, yeah. like, they, like they completely see, that's, switch the script. see that's why I think Tomorrow Never Dies is my favorite because not only does it for me have one of the most believable and like cool villains, villains yeah. you know oh, yeah. in it um, it has that you know that kind of like counterpart because like the one thing you know that I've always been like yearning for in a lot of the Bond movies you don't really see it is Felix Lighter to like actually do something yeah. you know like, like very like hey Bon, i can't do this why don't you do this for me right here's, <laughs> like, here's like a that, here's a cubano <laughs> that like that is his mo right like that's his whole thing I you suck. know so it was cool to see another spy from a different country actually be a complete badass like it was very refreshing and cool that's one of the, i mean you know the aside from the 
the giant comical like drill that takes out ships. Which yeah, is just, that like, thing is dope. <laughs> it's like one of the most ridiculous. Parts I, I love of how it like that it when it turns up. Like it never explains yeah. how the, it turns up. The physics up, don't matter. No. I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, because like when you also watch to, it. to to sink that su- that that ship. Didn't need to go up. Yeah, didn't need, didn't to, go need up. to go up. It didn't was already sinking. It was yeah. done. But yeah. when, they're, when they're watching it on like the computer screen, you can see it, and it just makes a complete 90 degree Now go up, turn. Stamper. Yeah. It's almost like he just did that to mess with the sailors who saw it. Oh, it's just a fuck so with them. Just so that the sailors yeah. would be like, what the fuck? Yeah, like, who are already dying. And yeah, then Tomorrow Never Dies is... It's actually very relevant yeah. as a That's story. That's what I said. I was thinking now that we're looking at the lens of 2023... Like they weren't thinking about the time, but now I'm like, that is the best film. Like with yeah. like you know, and our minds are on Succession yeah. now, and how yeah. the media like well, controls like a lot of our today. minds exactly and, and, like, to like to an absurd of... extent with a stealth ship. Yeah, but you know, like there is still you know there is still a manipulation of politics and government by the media, yeah. and this is like an, a next level thing. And also, it's 1997. This movie came out six months mm-hmm. after. Great Britain gave over Hong Kong to China. Oh, so okay. even though they don't mention that in the movie, like there was still this like geopolitical thing where like like now politically, you know, like China is seen as the other side in a newer cold war that's developing. But back yeah. in 97, it wasn't they still weren't the it, bad guys. It wasn't quite clear, yeah, where things were going to right. go. Yeah. So like so, so people kind of thought about China on the edge. They were like, "All right, it's China's opening up," you know, because this is this has been years after they had started opening up their economy. People weren't quite sure, like, is China, you know, just going to go the way of Russia and open up more, or are they going to go, yeah. you know, um, the other way? And so, it, like, what he was doing to basically push them to the other side, Jonathan Price's character, Elliot Carver, was actually really important. Like, it was like yeah. what he was doing was a big deal. And um, I love with the the Bond films, and like I, I thought about Top Gun and Top Gun Maverick, and like one of their like big shticks was like we're not going to mention in the movie like the other country that right. we're going to be geopolitically like because yeah. like you know we want to be successful in the international market, right. and then like James Bond's like hold my beer, yeah, they're like, we're, <laughs> like you know <laughs> with the die another day, they're like yeah we're we're like we're done with the Russians, let's go for these North Korean assholes right now. <laughs> well yeah, like, I was like, like they're <laughs> safe, they're they're a safe perfect villain because they're not hold gonna, my martini. Yeah. <laughs> they don't have movie theaters. So they can do. <laughs> I'm like, you know, we're not gonna have a movie, and so North Korea can always be the villain. Yeah. <laughs> do they have? Do they have TVs in North Korea? Like, I don't like that. Well, hard, well, like, that's the thing. State the, controlled. Like, one of the largest. That's like puppet shows. Yeah. <laughs> well, uh, Hans Bricks. <laughs> Kim Jong Un had the largest collection of films in the world when he pornography or uh, no no like film (laughs) you know that he did he have an international bradsters account yeah Uh, so you know Pornhub exists sir (laughs) he kidnapped the leading actress in South Korea as well as the biggest director in South Korea he kidnapped them for like a decade (laughs) and he kept and and, and people thought she was dead like he kidnapped them they used to be they used to be married and they uh, and they were divorced, and then he kidnapped the director, and then he kidnapped years later the uh, the actress, and he forced them to make movies what? together, and they pretended to make movies together, so that they could eventually get the freedom to escape back to South Korea. Dude, this so is like Kim Jong Un was crazy. He he would have these like crazy Americans who like 
I don't know. I don't know why on earth you would defect North Korea. Wait, At least Kim Russia Jong- makes sense. Isn't Kim Jong Un the current one? Kim Jong Il is the last one, right? Is what you're talking about? Perhaps, yes. Yeah. So, not but it was, it, it was the father. Matter, They're all the yeah. same. But yeah, but it was the yeah. father. So, yeah, so, so the one who That's was in charge in the eighties like and nineties. Yeah, it's like almost like the plot of Tropic Thunder. Really. Yeah, <laughs> simple Jack. <laughs> That's exactly. It. And then like he would have all these like Americans who defected would um, watch American movies and dub them into Korean. Who the fuck defected North Korea? But he didn't want people seeing in North Korea American movies, even though he would watch them. Right. He didn't trust the message. Right, of course. So these Americans and and like, you know, British people who had defected would listen to random clips of movies and write it in and somebody else would put it all together into a movie. It, wow. It, so you know, North Korea is I, like I don't know why I went on that aside, but North Korea like Windows ninety five. <laughs> North Korea is like a crazy villain, but it's it's also like the level of sophistication of this satellite. I like how like the big Soviet Union has like this satellite that has like an EMP and it's a weapon. Yes. And somehow like like less than ten years later, North Korea has like basically the sun yeah. <laughs> coming out of this satellite. Because like, that's what it is. It's just supposed to be like it's basically like a super mirror. Yeah. And I love how like also like the plot makes no sense. Like oh like like they're just going to like be allowed to take over all of South Korea with yeah. this satellite. It makes like, no like, sense. Why would this why would this happen? Dream a little bigger. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> but also, do you remember from GoldenEye when they do um, unleash the the first GoldenEye, which was, they're yeah. like, we're testing it. I'm like, you have one shot at this. Yeah. You're, you're like, yeah, testing you have, you're what? Like, yeah. And I'm like, don't test it. And like, Natalia's like running through the control room and like everything's electrified. I'm like, this bitch is so dead. And yeah. then she just hiding under the staircase and like, she just manages to live every time. I was like, this is impossible. This is stupid. Yeah. Well, well, Golden. James Bond needs to sleep with somebody. Well, yeah, and she's beautiful and needs to survive. Well, Goldeneye, like, like I was telling you guys before we started recording, like Goldeneye is one of those ones I had very fond memories of watching, but I haven't watched it in a very long time. And watching it again for this podcast, I was like, this does not hold up as well. And, but it's like, and there are only like little things that really yeah. just take me out of it. And one of them, which is like, I I feel bad saying this because I like her as an actress and a lot of the other things that she did uh, uh, has done, but. Famke Jansen is the worst in this movie. Zenya on a top. Her (laughs) fucking, like, I get off and I I orgasm while I kill you. Like, that whole motif she had was just so unsettling, so terribly acted, like, so overacted, right? Like, when when she has, like, the gun and she's shooting from the hip and she's just like, "Uh, uh, uh," she's, like, coming as she's, like, blowing these people away. And then when she tries, when they're in the the steam room and she tries to, like, do her move where she, like, I don't know, I guess crushes your your rib cage with her thighs. Like, and then they're, they're, like, they're, like, sex fighting almost. Like, he's body slamming her, but she won't, like, release. It was just... It was so – it was like something out of a fucking, like, canon film. Like, it was so yeah. over-the-top ridiculous. I just couldn't – I'd, like, fast-forward to those because I couldn't watch them. And I don't know if you would agree with me, but I decidedly disagree with you, actually. So, <laughs> I, so a few years ago, me – like, yeah, I love the GoldenEye games. I think they're one of the best that holds oh, up. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. The, I mean, well, that, that, that was, like, a cultural force. Yeah. yeah. Like, like, like when that movie came out, games, like, that know. video game was, like, that – that was almost as important as a movie because Bond hadn't been around for six years. Then you have this movie that does really well and is really great. But then that video game, so you have all these kids because like we're the perfect age, right? Like we were born late enough so that mm-hmm. we don't see the adult movies, right? right. I'm born in eighty six, so like so so like I don't I don't know. So by the time you get around to ninety five, Bond is something that's in the past. Like yep. I don't know Bond. Like that's ten years old for me. Yep. So like. 
the GoldenEye game brought everybody into it. Like, it really saved the franchise as much as GoldenEye the movie. But getting back to the point, yeah. I actually revisited GoldenEye for this podcast, and I absolutely re-fell in love with it. Yeah. Like, and I think I totally disagree with you with Famke Jensen. I think looking back at her other roles, especially being, you know, the Scarlet Witch in X-Men, this is like her best... Um, Acting role, and not not that it takes a lot, but she has the look, like the, the the sultry look of her, and like she it, it sells. And I I think the direction was with, I think what they did, they're like, well, let's what if we put the levers of action and campiness up to like a hundred, like like oh yeah, like like we're not we're not doing a balancing act, we're right. doing like we're going full American, like we're, <laughs> we're 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 going to do it all, and like when she was fucking the. Uh, um, that general, and then all of a sudden, yeah. like she's orgasming, and then the next scene was like the speedboat going by, and it's just like sloshing things. Yeah. I was like, that is so subtle and smart, and I think Goldeneye actually does. It, it doesn't even play the balancing act. They're like, we're gonna give it to you all. Like we're yeah. gonna give yeah. you the, we're gonna give you the, you know, the gadgets. We're gonna give it all. And I think uh, Pierce Brosnan, he's never acted better as uh james bond yeah. as it was then because i think he, you know and i imagine as an actor you're going to this role and you're like you have an imagination of what this character should be and i think early on he nailed it and then for subsequent films he goes well i gotta change something you know yeah. oh you know i gotta i gotta progress and that's the funny thing is bond never like it's so interesting that these films exist because when we talk about like good films and good series it's not about pacing or story. It's a lot about what we like is character arcs and the bond films take an absolute nuclear bomb dump on <laughs> arcs. There's no arcs. Yeah. No. Even Craig for, is the only one who has an arc. We, like yeah. it was shitty too. Yeah. Like, they, mean, didn't, like, they didn't, they didn't know how to do it, but, but bond like, gets married you. and his wife dies. And the next movie is just back to being a spy. Yeah. Like there's it's, no important event in his life that can change him. Yep. This it doesn't have matter to be another... how many women he sleeps with, how many like, friends get killed yeah how many like women he has like like for most people have you know s sleeping with electric king then having to murder her <laughs> would like push his head to her that would like change yeah. people like his like this old ex love and tomorrow never dies you know the a terry, paris carver terry hatcher yeah girl, like yeah. like you would think like that would affect him and they had a good and connection it, and, and in perfect james bond fashion it does affect him for 30 seconds yeah like he shows emotion like immediately when she dies and then he just gets into his car and starts driving it around like a remote. But it's, With, all, about the, yeah. it's all about the mission. No. But like, that's the thing. Like the, this series, it, it, you know, it, ha it would have to be another episode of us talking about it. It defies everything that's good about any like movie or story is yeah, that there's character, just, arc. character arcs. <laughs> yeah. And we accept it, yeah. you know, and the only relevant character, the, the, the arc is over decades and we've gone nowhere yeah. we've james gone bond, nowhere james bond is the seinfeld of movies yeah. <laughs> in the sense that like right every every seinfeld episode right you nailed they, it they Adam. end it at the like the end of the episode right just like in perfect sitcoms they're back where they started nothing has changed that's why like you can binge watch seinfeld and watch it all in a row and like there's an appreciation and like you can get out of that but well, really like an anthology, you can yeah. watch any episode of seinfeld kind of out of order 
Like it doesn't really matter. Like yeah. well, they're basically there, there the is, same people for ten years. There well, is a lot. Yeah, there is yeah. a lot of continuity. I mean, I, I feel yeah. like I feel like Valentine had more character development in his two movies yeah. than like Brosnan no, had in any of his he four. Liked, he liked just chicks coming in. Like he he wouldn't even think about security. He would just let them in. But like <laughs> the, like yeah, I I, I do I I do I mean, like, like I feel lot. like like how he how he yeah. died. Like to your point at the right. end where he was like you know he like helped Bond out yeah. at the end. Like that to I me love, I love like, their I love so, their connection right. So like, good. It that was, was like, like that was a badass death. Yeah, it was, was a badass, badass death. death. Yeah, I would have I would have watched shot this, a bunch of times. Yeah, I would have watched the spinoff like buddy cop movie of him and of him and Bond. Like that would have been great. Like, also, another know? thing I want to talk about is like so how commercial Bond got during the the Brazen Oh movie. yeah, you know like when Perrier, all the right, and then like you always have the watches in the cars. And that gonna, makes yeah. sense. The Omega watch, like because those are and, like you know like they have the Smirnoff vodka, but. Like in Tomorrow Never Dies, when Q is literally an Avis agent, like oh yes, 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 like an Avis, Avis commercial. Avis. I didn't notice that. Yeah, yes. I noticed. Yeah, yeah, he had the red. No, uh, he blazer. is one hundred percent like because because Bond goes up to the and this is what's and it's so shoehorned in because like Bond goes up to the Avis desk at at the airport in mm-hmm. in Germany Hamburg, to get his yeah. car right and you and 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 you're just like all right great so get in the car and. But then he goes to like this warehouse where Q has the car. So yeah. why did you go through the subterfuge of going to Avis if then you're gonna go to a warehouse to get the car? If anybody is watching you, they know you're not getting a car from Avis as soon as you leave Avis with an Avis agent. <laughs> 30, Thirty second sidebar. If I can grant internal life to anyone that I would grant it to that Q. Oh, yeah, no one has gotten even close. They, no, they did John Cleese, yeah. which I like the campiness of it. R. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Oh, it R. And then, like, the, the next guy, you know, with uh, Daniel Craig. But, yeah. man, I just loved his – yes, please. The cantankerousness of him. Yes. And he – it's just so good. And even when um, – what was it in um, – not uh, the world's not enough. Yeah. When they had the helicopter with the tree cutter, yeah, yes. when it went right through the BMW, he goes, "I love, I love this line so much." He goes, "Q's not gonna be happy." Like, yeah, <laughs> he always had a conscientious like the the you know if anything like the connection that Bond had. It was never with the girls. It was like him and like his back and forth with Q. Yeah, that well, was, yeah. the, was the best. He was like a weird stuff. father figure. Like yes, almost, you know? yes, and he had a badass. Exit he never fell for his enough. shit. Yeah. Yep. He never gave yeah. him any of the credit. He never gave him the satisfaction. And like, you know, I don't think probably I, in all the things I've read, all the things I've heard, no one talks about that relationship, but like, I think it's very well written and probably unintentionally. Right. I think they're doing it for comedic reasons, but I think of all the raw, real relationships in like all the Bond films, Q and Bond, yep. man. Well, it's, it's not almost the flirtatious thing. between guys. Like, they, yeah, they know, like, <laughs> yeah. Like totally. The two yeah. of them kind of have this, you know, like rapport, so much respect, like buddies, so that's why they can joke with each other. And the world is not enough. Gives Q or Desmond Llewellyn's Q kind of like a nice kind of send off, right? You only see yes. it in the first sequence, and by the end of the movie, R has fully taken over his Q. And you know, like you know, Desmond Llewellyn's Q says, you know, I've always tried to teach you two things, you know, never let them see you bleed, and always have an escape plan. And then he like presses a button and he like goes into the floor like Dude, some weird so contraption. Good. And it's re- it's a really badass way to go out. And he's and he's great. Um, What's the name of that actor? Desmond Llewellyn. Yeah. And he just really and when did he shows this. up in every film, yeah. I'm like, this guy's not dead. And, I was I like, yeah. and but, he doesn't age. The, he doesn't age. No, he. Yeah. yeah well, that's what's funny. Like when you what, see him for the first time in From Russia with Love, which yeah. is like over 20 years before um, the we see him again in the um, in the Dalton movies. Like, but so. When you see him for the first time in From Russia with Love, and literally that's all all he does is he gives 
Bond like a suitcase with like a special compartment and a knife. Yeah. And then, like, which is crazy because then you see how by, the, by his last film, he's giving Bond, like, a car with missiles that you can drive with a cell phone, which, right. by the way, is really great. Awesome. I loved the, so the cell sick. phone as a, you know, like, and that it was, was just, so cool. Did it yeah. tickle the video game kid in you? No, like, totally. 100%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That was a product of, I think, the GoldenEye video games. Like, like oh, I think it plays so popular, like the yeah. and then the invisible car and die another day. Like it's very video gamey. I think that's playing up to like they're trying to go with the younger the audience. commercialism. And I love how during that sequence where he's like driving from the back seat, yes, and he's like driving Great away in the parking sequence. garage. Yeah. It's an amazing action sequence. It shows off all the weaponry. It, it, like what I love is that like it shows off like why they need all these things. Like so he's protecting something in the car. So it having like the the super windows and the locks yep. and everything like it's serving a purpose. He can use it as a safe, basically. But then the pure joy on Brosnan's face. Yeah, as he's, he's, like, he's having fun. Like, he's, he's having fun, like, and like, I'm having fun the as, button, a, yeah. as an actor. You know, he's and, loving it, and like I like that Bond would love it too. That he's like a kid in a candy store, loving using like this little remote to like you know shoot weapons and like freak them out too because they don't know what's going on why it's moving i love this, that too this may be a top for another episode but i would like to bounce off of you ed like it's like you know it's just so interesting that bond like we talk about camp and yeah camp and like the ridiculousness like we have a we have a series called mission impossible yeah and they still are very more well-grounded than bond and then we also have batman or whatever but Bond by far does gadgets and different things to a degree where it's like, it's not as ridiculous as like, hey, we're fast nine. We're yeah. going to fucking space. But like, they, <laughs> they, you know, although Bond but, does go to space in Moonraker. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but like, they, they do, it, it's all derivative from yeah. them. They're like, well, we can't do that. But I'm like, why not try? You know, because yeah. they really go for it. And like, I love that, like, as a culture for the last, what, 60 years of yeah. films. Like it still holds, and like this is such a good money maker, and I'm like, I believe it. Like I throw everything out, yeah. Like disillusionment, and I, I, there's a magic to this series that I can't necessarily, you know, qualify right now unless we were to sit down and really think and talk about it on a separate episode. But it's so interesting. Like, you know, we all like the Batman gadgets, but Bond is one one yeah. like you know there's and, you know some people will probably listen to this and be like no you're wrong like batman has the best gadgets i'm like no like yeah, no, the Bond's practicality the and like the how it changes with everything batman is always going to have the same gadgets yeah bond is always doing something fucking insane with right. his gadgets and, that's and i just love it and i love yeah. that they take risks it yeah. is it, it, it's such a constant but also a constant risk it's almost like you know i'm a nurse like it's like it's just v-fib yeah it's it's constant you're like yeah. you know and like it's wild and it plays it plays so well yeah. and i just wonder in our culture why we accept this it's, <laughs> and it's 100 percent a movie thing yeah so like he so there is no Q in the first Bond movie, um, Doctor No. Q is in um, from Russia with Love, but he's literally just giving Bond, you know, like a super briefcase, you know, basically, okay? like not particularly gadget worthy. Um, and then in Goldfinger, uh, which kind of sets up, you know, what you think of as like the modern Bond, mm -hmm. that's where you have the car with a proto GPS, the tax the switchable license plates, the the, the, yep. the machine guns. And then from then on, they just have to get more and more and more. But like in the in the books, like, yeah, James Bond has a nice car, but it's his personal car. Right. Like he'll like, 
use like things from time to time of weaponry, but there are no gadgets in the books. Right. Like that's entirely something just in the movies. And they just keep on getting more and more. But it's almost like Bond is its own genre. Like oh, you, yeah. you, oh, very. You give Bond 100%, 100%. more leeway than you would any other spy. Like you're like Ethan Hunt couldn't do it in Mission Impossible. James Bourne couldn't do it. Jason Bourne rather. Like you James need Bourne. you like Bond is able to get away with just being able to seduce a woman like this. Which I do want to mention because I I almost forgot when you were talking earlier about how like Brosnan doesn't look very physically intimidating, right? But he's damn good looking, right? And mm. Dalton is physically intimidating, but you know not the best looking. Yeah, I think that plays. Living out Daylight's the, very I handsome. Think, yeah, not but, handsome. Yeah. <laughs> but it plays out in the storyline. The amount of women that Dalton beds is nothing per movie compared to what Brosnan. Like oh, Brosnan, yeah. just on a dime, he he the doctor. The, the evaluator. You know, like, the right. evaluator. That, right yeah. I, by the way, I thought that was Money Penny. I, I thought that was Money Penny. No, that's but a she looks similar. They're very similar. Right. Yeah. But she's the evaluator. And I also like how in that scene he's driving the same car. Yes. yes. As that Bond always owns. That's another like big connection. I like how that's something also they also have in, in the Daniel Craig movies. I like how that original um, Aston Martin that was introduced in Goldfinger is like Bond's personal car throughout all of the series. Yeah. Like that's just his car. Like whether or not all the movies are connected or not, you n- you never quite know. Like that is always his car, which is always kind of like a fun connection, kind of established who he is. Well, so let's. So is it time to get into the fodder a little bit? Because yes, because because okay. So before we get into the fodder, the last quick discussion I want to yeah. have about overall continuity, right? Is when we're thinking about right, you know the the Qs and the Ms and the different yeah. bonds and all these different theories out there, right? The you know is. For me, I think the Brosnan movies yes. are in the same universe as the Craig movies, operating off of the assumption, though, that James Bond is a code name, right? Even though it's mentioned that it's not a code name when you get I think it's, it's, it's yes. his actual name. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, so, they, so they, they, they do mention that, yes. But I, I because it's like there's just something about the connection between M and how, like, I'm thinking back to, like, it, it all kind of, for me, it all kind of stems from Casino Royale where she yes. talks about, um, you know, you knew it was too too soon to promote you to, like, you know, double O yeah. status, right? And then, you know, when you think back to Goldeneye, Sean Bean's character, right, double O six, yeah. right? So there's obviously... Great villain. Great yeah. So villain. good, right? So there's obviously, like, other things there and the fact that Goldeneye introduced M, right? Yes. You know, and then you just think about some of those other, like, the car you were just talking about. For me, like, I like to think of that as kind of... The same, the same universe. Interesting. For me, I view it as concentric circles. So, well, kind of like a Venn diagram, if you will. Yeah. So, one thing I would say is, I think the Craig movies are completely unrelated. Yep. That was our first episode. That was part one of this because we're just like you watched the adult movies back. Well, it's we, because we, we of Blumfeld too. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that yeah. that thing like to- totally. They're their own everything. story. Yeah. yeah. Even though like they do bring back Judy Dench's end, they're their own thing. But I she's think she's so great. We we oh, gotta give a amazing. minute to she's, her. But and, when and you're I do finished. like yeah, and and yes. Yeah, so so from but I think from Connery to Lazenby to Moore, do you need another to Martini Dalton, in? Yes. Continue. So <laughs> I would say um, I would so say um, they're all one. So from Connery to Dalton is one. Mm-hmm. Then I would say, kind of like a Venn diagram. The Dalton movies connect to the; they're the same bond as Brosnan. Well, it's the heart of this separate, conversation, but in a separate world that then doesn't go back and forth. But yeah, so that's kind of like my theory. But yes, getting back to Judy Dench M, 
who I think is great. I also like how she starts off, and she's actually supposed to be based off of an actual character. So, she's so at the badass. time when that came out, so Stella Remington had just taken over MI5. But believable. She's so yeah. good. Yes. And what they call her the she's terrifying. numbers, right? Like, yeah. they, they try to set off yes. right off the bat. She's very But mu- that's only one line. I, like they never really establish her as like a by a numbers like a Cowan kind of person. Well but it's one it, line, but, but, but I also did the beginning, hear it. right? They she doesn't want him to go to follow up. Correct. Right? Like cause cause he right. has a hunch about Xenia on a top. But you would miss but, it on the first watch, but on the second watch, you're like, oh, this is her why she is the way she is. Right. She doesn't want to have him. But that like, goes back to the character yeah. arc things. So we don't give people anything. So like it does demand that you rewatch these films because yeah. you're gonna miss lines of dialogue, right. you know. Especially Cause in, in, yeah, because in Goldeneye, she doesn't let him basically go off script. Right? Like mm-hmm. the reason yep. like, like 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 you know. You're coming, especially you're coming from like 30 years of other Bond movies where like Bond exists. Kind of like he's very like outside the cuff. He's always threatening to quit or quitting or breaking the rules with M, with M and like MI6, right? Not in this series, no. Well, he quits in The Living Daylights. I'm so, or no, or right? The, no, no, he quits in he quits in License to Kill. Yes. He quits in License to Kill to go after the drug dealer. But he's always kind of like threatening to go off script right and i don't want to interrupt but like that's what so i thought about yeah. that in license kill and yeah. then die another day when yeah. he's in the hospital and then he yeah. like escapes and he stops his heart what are the finance <laughs> what are the financials <laughs> how does he have the money like because i essentially yeah. imagine that he's just bankrolled by the tax dollars of yeah. yeah great britain yeah but then like What's the first thing like, they're like? Oh, he escaped. Like the first thing is you freeze his accounts. Like yeah, I, exactly. I know, but, but the thing is, you don't think has, about it. But they, they he just has let an escape it go. plan. Yeah. I, I think I think <laughs> somebody, oh he's that smart. I think somebody, that smart. I think somebody as good as him has to have an escape plan. Okay, I yeah. like that. Yeah, but yeah. I like, also like, like that they don't explore think, it. They don't explore it. Like he doesn't think he's going to quit, but he just knows that like okay, shit might go down at some point. I have where, my, even where he's not quitting, where just like I will need to be on my own. I'm so glad I and asked because you guys had an answer right away. Yeah. That's like, well, all yeah. right, I have an and answer I wonder, for you. Yeah, <laughs> that's just part of the MI6 thing. I wonder if MI6 wants them to have because, like, what if something happens where MI6 is is I don't know blows up as we see in some of these movies, right? Or is compromised in some way? Like, you know, I think you want them to their agents to be able to like work. On their own. Oh yeah, but totally. also, you know, like getting back to the, the final end point, I wanted before we talked about. I'm the sorry, is, I, but no, I did no, want to but talk but about M the financials. Is, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but M, like, she starts off in Golden Eye. She's queen of numbers. She doesn't let him like go on his, you know, like um, on his own like hunch, right? And then right off in the beginning of Tomorrow Never Dies, you know, like the admirals, who's he's perfect British admiral. Yes, like, I know exactly. Talking about this, yeah, he could have played an admiral in the in the 1890s. Like, you know, like he just seems, he he's like, like seems like the guy who would have like. But like he's an actor that's yeah. been in a yeah. lot of yeah. films. Yeah, perfect too. actor. He's like, like that stodgy guy. British guy. Yes, and like, exactly. like what is he doing? And like I like it. Like she has the answer. His job. Yeah, his you know, job. Like, so by the so, so like he kind of like wins her over. So right. their relationship isn't as strong as the Craig. Dench relationship, right? But she does like begrudgingly become like more of a fan of his like more nonsense type, you know, stuff, right? But yes, now I think it's perfect time to talk about fodder and the first fodder that I want to talk about. Sure, you know, like obviously with the way this podcast, for uh, if you've listened to this podcast before, our listeners know, like, so with canon fodder, we always start with what is canon, and for us, obviously, all six of these movies are canon 
to us to an extent. Well, like we to, the, yeah, to, to, to each other. To how we define canon. Yeah. Yeah. But agree, then because they link the M's, yes. right? And they link the they they link the Q's, right? But then we and get into. I'm realizing yeah. the brilliance yeah. of what I was like. Why are we talking about Dawn and Pierce? Yeah. And now after I watched it, I was like. Oh, I get it. Because yeah. they're the same like age. Subtle. Are they the same person? And now we're thinking about not? universes, yeah. yep. you know? And I'm like, oh, you're right. Because then when you brought up about Daniel Craig, I was like, well, we could all say the same. And it's like, and you're like, well, blown. I came to yeah. it. Blown. I was like, oh, it no. It contradicts. Once you get into the contradictions, where yeah. does it go? Now, Such now, a good conversation topic. Now, this is time where we get into like other releases that may or may not be canon. And okay. my favorite one is, my favorite Bond villain is Willem Dafoe. Bro, I don't know if you know, but we're gonna get so to good. our final clip. Not Benicio del Toro. And this is also, <laughs> you might you might ask yourself, what was Pierce Brosnan's last Bond outing? It was not Die Another Day. Two years later, he starred in Everything or Nothing, a 2004 release. It had, um, it had both. James Bond being played by Pierce Brosnan, Judy Dench's M, yep. John Cleese returned as Q. Um, you had Bond girls, both Heidi Klum and Maya and Shannon Elizabeth, <laughs> and Maya sang the song "Everything or Nothing." And here is my my, my clip where it kind of shows you this is Heidi Klum's character talking to the villainous Willem Dafoe. Good morning, darling. I deduced the mission was successful. All of the nanobots were destroyed, except for one. My gift to you, courtesy of MI6 and James Bond. Bond? James Bond? You know him? He killed Max Oren. My mentor, my teacher, my friend. I, I didn't know. I'm sorry. How ironic. Bond has now planted the seeds for his own destruction. Sounds like a porn Soon enough, the world will know and fear the name Nikolai Diavolo. You'll have everything you desire. This is a porn. Yes, Katya. Everything. Or nothing. First oh, off, it's a board parody. <laughs> I'm sorry, I had to do it three. I had to do it thrice. <laughs> oh God! <laughs> but thank God it was canceled. Oh my but God! If, no, no, it came out. This video is, game. That was a video game. Made. You, oh, you can play right. it. And I think in fact, it was one of the video games that had in, in a, fact, uh, uh, their own soundtrack mm-hmm. too. In fact, my my normal plug. Um, so if you want to play this game, <laughs> we will be adding. The PS2 version of Everything or Nothing <laughs> to the New Jersey Free Blockbuster at 3BR. So sponsor the podcast is 3BR Distillery on Main Street in Keyport, New Jersey. Follow us at, at NJ Free Blockbuster. So 3BR is, is both our uh, sponsor and host of our New Jersey Free Blockbuster box. But I got a copy of this game. Who did and I'm going to put it inside the Blockbuster. How did you even find this? I found it online for like two bucks it was great wow so you can play this game you can tell us if you think it's canon but what i think is interesting is in that clip um willem dafoe's character mentions that so his name is nikolai diavolo he mentions that his mentor was killed by james bond right his mentor is max zorin max zorin is the villain villain of you to a kill Kill. played for played by christopher walken yeah so first off i just love that christopher walken Who's the only person that Christopher Walken could mentor, and it really makes sense? Willem, Willem, Willem Dafoe. Dafoe. <laughs> Two crazy motherfuckers. That's so good. So, There's such a lane 
the yeah. new the new emperor in Dune, <laughs> right? <laughs> Just like a weirdo, and so that ties in Pierce Brosnan all the way back to a view to a kill, which, which is, is wacky, so but wacky. This it doesn't game, work. It doesn't work. It has an opening sequence where like they actually shot seek like they actually shot on film. Yeah, yeah, no, Shannon yeah. Elizabeth. I, yep, and yeah. him. I heard um, that. Like they mm. do like the voice acting throughout the whole thing. I want this. To, I, I wish they would just make this into a movie. It'd be a great movie. I heard. I I, I I was never played this game, but I was doing some like research on it for this episode. And it's like very well revered, not just yeah. from a game perspective, but like the story in the game. People are just like, it's fantastic. Yeah, and it's a little bit of like a of a sci fi thing. Like it definitely works better in the game because of the level of special effects you need to have. Because right. basically, you know, you hear in the clip you talk about like nanobots, and right. the idea is that basically this Heidi Klum is a is you know this absolutely gorgeous scientist because they're always absolutely gorgeous female scientists. She Where de- are they? Can you tell me? <laughs> yeah, right, right, everywhere. Right, dating they're everywhere. Gorgeous and Santa scientists. It, it's kind of like it's kind of like you know that old trope, like on these detective shows, like Columbo or whatever. Yep. Where, yes. Whenever Columbo goes on vacation, there's always a murder, right? <laughs> like whenever James Bond interacts with a scientist, it's always a beautiful woman. <laughs> like, like every major like discovery that's happened. Everyone you touch, you kill. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but. So she develops these nanobots that like basically eat metal. So like Willem Dafoe basically uses them to like take down the entire Russian army because obviously all all of army is metal. So like these nanobots just eat the Russian army and he takes over Russia. And, and like that's kind of the whole sequence. And like obviously we all love films or whatever and like you hear constantly of like what if castings or like people that pass yeah. up on like big roles. I don't think I've ever heard of any actor passing up on a bond film which also lends to like what we yeah. were t- discussed earlier it's like there's no character arcs and this is one of the longest running things but i don't think anyone they're like hey we want you to be in the bond film no. like, i don't think anyone's been like no like yeah. i don't think anyone no one says no to these films it's well, amazing it's, it's so iconic right and it, it's and it's just it's not highbrow but if you you're know? a villain you get to chew up the scenery like like oftentimes oh yeah yeah, you, know, yeah. you can like, really cook yeah, like you really get to like go over the top. Like Javier, Remy Malik cooked. Yeah, Javier Bardem <laughs> was like he just. Oh, I you know? love him in it. Yeah, I like, love him. Yeah, love it, him. It, it really works. And then really getting so the last piece of fodder I want to talk about is really getting into like video game world. So of course you sure. talked about like how amazing Golden I was just in right. terms of like the the history of video games. Like standalone, it was just a fun game to play, but between the multiplayer, the first person shooter, just the action fits and the tie into the movie, like it was all great. But like just in terms of like the history of so video many games, such a big soda has been deleted. Oh God, so many, <laughs> che- so many fucking <laughs> Cheetos. Of- so, so many you know, fucking Cheetos. So you know what happened? So like that game, GoldenEye, was made by Rare yes. for Nintendo 64. That was when the James Bond license meant nothing. Right, like James Bond hadn't made a movie in six years. I wonder how much they paid for that. Probably very little. Yeah. I mean, we can look it up, but like, but like, there wasn't, you know, like they, you know, it was a name, like they knew it would sell, right? But there was no history of James Bond games back then in '95. Right. And however, there lot, and there weren't a lot of games like that. Where I wonder who bought Rare. Yeah. Rare had like hits, like yeah. Well, they were well, what happened is that Electronic Arts outbid Rare for the contract for Tomorrow Never Dies. And they fucked so, it up. <laughs> Rare had this game engine, and they had this great style of game. It's but a they British didn't, company, too. But they didn't have um, the the intellectual property anymore. Right. So, so basically, what was going to be GoldenEye Two became Perfect Dark, 
Oh no! Oh, one of the most perfect games of all time. It's, it's the oh, same. Wild. It's the same engine. Yeah. It's the same style. With the heroine. It with the heroine, that's but wild. at the same time, that. so she's more of a corporate spy, yes, right? Yes. But yes, it's yes. still she's a spy. Like you can see how, like, especially when you're playing first person, you don't see her. So like, so much of the development of the game, you can right. change it to a woman. It's like Metroid and, Prime. You know? mm-hmm. That's so wild. I never knew that. Yeah, and then, and you know, so that game is like, it's a great game, but it's also you know, it's like. It's corporate espionage. It's basically like a an alien like an alien cold war, and they're like fighting on Earth, mm. and they're like basically there's these two companies who like have allied themselves with different aliens, and like it's super wacky. Like there is this whole like you can never do this in a Bond movie, but like just imagine if this was canon to Bond. Like <laughs> like like there's this whole sequence where she's on Air Force One, and she has to stop the aliens from killing the president of the United States and replacing it with a lab grown clone. From the aliens, so the, like, what the fuck so are you, you saying? Can make, you can make so a the, strong so plot, argument that Perfect Dark. Well, I was gonna say is the, set in the James Bond world. I was gonna say the, the plat twist to that is that it's the the president in that universe is Harrison Ford from Air Force One. <laughs> oh, that'd be amazing. Get off my plane. No, like. he says, "Get off my planet." <laughs> Get off my planet. Hey, <laughs> do we know? I know Bond is like a top five, like most profitable franchise. I know the. Fast and Furious series, oh, like, well, yeah. should we look it up right now? Like, well, uh, well also, well, I think the, Bond has to be one of the. But like, whenever top, they talk about it, well, like, we're talking about. I think 20, he is number one. But it, we're it talking was a about trivia question. Be, yeah. but we're like we're talking about almost thirty films for Bond. That's the thing, right? Is that like they have it in numbers? Fast did it yeah. in ten years, right? But and the value of more movies. than ten years, but also no, but like, sorry, twenty films. years. That, but Fast did it in ten films. But, I mean. you, but you also got yeah. to adjust for like inflation and shit. Right. Well, the price of a movie ticket. Can you in look at that up? Yeah. You look it up? yeah. And then like you also just have the cultural impact of Bond too. You know, I think like, that was a trivia question one time at a bar. Probably you know, like, was right? the most profitable. I was like, it has to be James Bond. Was there any other fodder? Because I had another segment I wanted to do real quick before. Hell yeah. Uh, no, that's th- that's kind of it for the fodder. So right. go ahead while I look up the while highest grossing. Uh, film, film franchises. franchises. So this go is, ahead with your theory. So this is—it's not even a theory. It's something we're going to start. So this episode is going to—we're going to have another, you know, a third part of our Bond episode, right? Because we ha- we still have to do um, uh, Connery, Moore, and Lazenby. Uh, so that'll be the third and final Bond episode. Yeah. But then Pat had an idea that I want to do, and we kind of touched on it a little bit today, talking about the best. Who is the best? spy and why so we're going to do an episode throughout the rest of this year we'll do an episode on mission impossible we're talking about like ethan hunt right yeah and then jason bourne we'll do another one because i have a lot of love for the mission impossible dude dude, the mission impossible movies impossibly no pun intended get better and better every fucking movie they make i don't understand how it's possible i love the articles that are like james bond versus ethan hunt and they 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 are not the same person exactly which is why that's what breeds a good conversation which i think it's going to be a really fun thing to do so we're going to finish up our bond series we'll do an episode talking about bourne because there's some interesting fun continuity there and then we'll do an episode talking about mission impossible especially since the first part of the dead reckoning Reckoning comes out next month right which i'm super excited for and then we'll do a wrap-up episode where we have that discussion that in-depth discussion of who is the best movie super spy i think it'll be a lot of fun i love that yeah i think they're coming out with a splinter cell (laughs) series okay so so who is it so who are the contenders the contenders are bond bond ethan hunt Hunt. Hunt. unless there's another one we can think of but maxwell smart from uh get smart (laughs) Um, I don't know. He's can. he's he's my dark horse. I mean, candidate. we can we can have that just for fun <laughs> if you want to. 
But, but I think, yeah, I think the three main contenders, yeah. right, are, are Jason Bourne, Ethan Hunt, and James Bond. And, and I feel like, like an outlier, too. Like, have you guys seen Man from Uncle by uh, Guy Ritchie? Yeah, yeah the movie's and great. Like, and you were. And the TV and, show. And, you, and the you, woman from Uncle. That was a. That could be its own series. And there, there are a couple of shows and that movies. Then, yeah. yeah. And you leaned into it. You're like, there isn't, like, really good movies about, like, you know, going over, like, the wall and stuff. And I'm like, Man from Uncle had such a good yeah. thing. And then fucking, like, the guy that cannibalizes chicks uh what's his name uh army hammer, army army hammer. hammer. <laughs> fucking ruined it for us i'm like all right henry Ca- they, they had such good chemistry they had henry such a good cavill cast. is so good in that movie he's just good at everything and i love like the like our nerd community mm-hmm. like he goes yeah i'm a handsome guy i also would rather just like play uh warhammer 4k i'm like They're oh so well good. we are all handsome people that like to yeah. fucking, like. <laughs> Well, that's why he. Le- that's why he left The Witcher. Is he apparently was so annoying, because like apparently yeah, on was. set he was like that nerd. He's Matt Magnifico you know, with like, a six yeah. pack. He'd be like, <laughs> and, and be seven like, inches. <laughs> actually, yeah. actually, the reason why The Witcher does this in the books is this, I, I understand that you wrote the script like this, but the reason why The Witcher uses this sword is actually quite different than you wrote in the show. Director's like, cut, get this, <laughs> yeah, get this nerd offset, sir. That is the main character. That is literally the main character. It's like, listen, you fucking nerd. Oh, I mean, that would Did be. Could you mad. imagine like you filming something? You're so Dude, I was, it would about, be so bad. And like the director yeah. is just like shitting on out your whole yeah. view. Because like, I, like I, it would have to. I be like, like that he stands by. It. Yeah, yeah, like it would have to be a Spider-Man movie, and I would be everybody would hate me. Like yeah. everybody would fucking hate me. Like, yeah. like actually, that's not what Spider-Man does. <laughs> God. All right. Well, I think this has been a really fucking wonderful episode. Uh, Pat, thank you for joining us. Thanks you, for having you'll me. be you'll you'll be on for more for sure. This was a yeah. ton of fun. Um. So Ed, what do you got? Anything else? That that is it. So my name is Ed. I'm Matt. I'm Pat. And this is, is Cannon, Cannon Fodder. Fodder. Seems like an awful lot just to save the world, Jimbo. About no choice, Wade.